Talk to my friend Drew Lennon. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I look this guy for wisdom. Well, Joe Rogan's finding out what it's like to be Donald Trump right now. And he seems to be as flummoxed, as shocked, as surprised, taken aback, as Donald Trump was. And he's about to learn something real quick. And he should be looking at what happened to Donald Trump and understanding that it's happening to him now. And the similarities are glaring. You know, Donald Trump, like Joe Rogan, Donald Trump, pre-presidential candidate Donald Trump, he was a successful businessman, a billionaire, a celebrity, somebody that Democrats wanted to be around. They worshipped him. Of course, they wanted his money for their campaigns. They wanted his influence, and they liked to be around the guy. Donald Trump was a born entertainer. Regardless of what came out from the media after he became a politician, in terms of them talking about what an egomaniac he was and all those negative qualities you may associate with Donald Trump. Well, the left loved those qualities before he was a politician. It didn't stop them from wanting to come to his parties, from patting him on the back, from coming in close contact with him, from being his pal. And Donald Trump, these people he used to call friends in the Democratic Party at one point, They turned on him immediately when he became the Republican presidential candidate and then, of course, the president himself. All of a sudden, they turned on him and his absolute destruction, destroying his life. When that became the left's only aim, Donald Trump didn't understand it. He didn't understand it because he did not yet understand who the left was or what they really wanted. It's this naivete, this idea that we just have two parties in America, the Republicans and the Democrats, and it's just a political war, and the Democrats are actually really good people that want what's best for this country, and their policies are simply different than what the Republicans' proposals are. That is the naive lie and assumption, but Donald Trump assumed that as well. And then what? We had Russia collusion. We had four years of them trying to get rid of him. Go after him and his family and destroy him, make him cower. And Donald Trump didn't. And that's where the difference is going to come in, depending on how Joe Rogan approaches this going forward. But Joe Rogan, like Donald Trump, was friends, has been friends for his entire career with all types of different people, powerful Democrats and fewer Republicans, by the way. And the people that he's had on this show that are so controversial to the left in terms of quote-unquote misinformation, aren't even politicians. They are doctors who spoke out against the COVID misinformation, spoke out against the lie, and the left couldn't tolerate it. And for that, for that, Joe Rogan must be destroyed. And Joe Rogan, like Donald Trump right now, doesn't understand who his enemy is. He doesn't understand what's happening when, for example, The Rock, on a dime, just turned on him. A week ago, The Rock was saying, hey, I can't wait to get on your show and promote my new tequila brand with you. I got your back, brother, when it was about the misinformation. But now there's a political hit job, a conspiracy organized by the leftist activists, indeed, indeed, well-funded organizations, a super PAC even, that is behind this 
to take out Joe Rogan. And it's been in the works for a while now. It's a coordinated effort, a coordinated hit job to get rid of Joe Rogan and end his career. And Joe Rogan is not understanding what they want. Point one, what was the issue, before I get into the new inward slurs that they have dug up and compiled a, uh, you know, audio sound bites of, a, a montage of him over his, the course of his career doing his show, saying the N-word, they're getting it out of context, of course, but more on that in a minute. Well, first it was misinformation. Joe Rogan is, uh, is spreading dangerous misinformation, which, by the way, wasn't misinformation at all. It was misinformation, which is the new word from the left for anything that, frankly, is true. If they label it misinformation, it's true. If they label it misinformation, it threatens their agenda to control the population. That's what misinformation means from the left. But what did Joe Rogan do? Yeah, he made some very good points when he went and made his little video addressing it. But he made a fatal mistake. And that was, that was acknowledging the lie that was being said about him in the first place. The accusation that was being brought forward that he was guilty of spreading dangerous misinformation. He should have denounced it completely, but he didn't because he trusts the left. He thinks they have good intentions. He doesn't understand who they are, that they are evil authoritarians that will stop at nothing to silence voices of opposition. And so he said, well, you know, I'm going to try and do a better job, you guys, um, to get more other voices on here. I hear you. And so he catered. He, he caved to the left. And they smelled blood on the water. And now they're going for his jugular. Now, look, when the efforts were made, the coordinated efforts were made with Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, you know, you name it, all these different people who were saying, if you don't get rid of Joe Rogan from Spotify, we're pulling our music, our podcast off of Spotify. That didn't work, did it? Because Joe Rogan is uncancelable. Joe Rogan has a bigger audience than any Democrat in this country. He has an average, I think, of 11 or 12 million listeners per episode. He's huge. Only Rush Limbaugh, when he was alive, arguably had a larger audience. Well, he did have a larger audience than Joe Rogan, but I don't know what the numbers are for the Mark Levins or Sean Hannity's. They've got big followings too. But Joe Rogan had a different skill set because he attracted people who weren't just conservatives he attracted independents people who were looking to leave the democratic party who were looking to make sense of things but wouldn't perhaps trust somebody like even me because i'm a a a well i i don't hide it i'm a conservative promoting conservatism in this country and so immediately when you have that label attached to you Democrats aren't really willing to listen to you. They close their ears, shut off their brains. But Joe Rogan wasn't like that. He wasn't an avowed conservative. He wasn't even a avowed Democrat. In fact, in the 2020 presidential election, he revealed he voted for Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate. Now, admittedly, he said, you know, if he voted for Trump here, it wasn't going to do anything anyway, because obviously Joe Biden was going to win California. 
And so he tossed away his vote and voted for third for a third party. And he was a Bernie guy before that, too. And a lot of the Bernie people, by the way, becoming disenchanted with the Democrat Party who stole, stole the the nomination from Bernie two times, gave it to Hillary Clinton and then gave it to Joe Biden, changing the rules in their own party to prevent Bernie Sanders from getting that that nomination, prevent him from becoming their presidential candidate. Well, the Bernie bros, a lot of them came over and they actually became Trumpsters, by the way. And so here's Joe Rogan thinking that these people are just sincerely, all they want is for Joe Rogan to just listen to them, to, to give more time for these other voices. And so he's apologized. And so now what? They went back and they want to finish the hit job. It's not enough to apologize because, look, the Democrats and the leftists in this country were never looking for just an apology from Joe Rogan. The apology is what's needed to give credibility to their accusations and to give them power and strength and encouragement and credibility to destroy your life. Joe Rogan, I'm begging you to listen to me. The left is not who you think they are. The Rock, just look at your buddy, your pal, The Rock. One week ago defending you, and now all of a sudden, they are attacking you because you used the N-word a dozen or 15 or however many times on your show, and it was not derogatory the way you used it. You did not do anything wrong. And other people have done far worse, and they're Democrats and leftists, and that's the message, and they aren't canceled. Joanne Reed can write a homophobic blog and still have a TV show. This uh, New York City mayor, Eric Adams, he can, on video, call white people crackers, and there are no calls for his resignation. Do you understand the game, Joe? They're not your friends. When you went off the plantation and you started asking questions and you started asking sane questions, principled questions, and looking at things objectively and making other people ask those same questions and start to question the Democratic Party, well, that, my friends, when you got a target on your back. And I bet you had the target on your back before that because in March or April of 2020 on Joe Rogan's show, he said he'd rather vote for Donald Trump than Joe Biden. That's what he said. And I guarantee you this is not just about, it's about a lot of things. It's about a lot of things, but it's about your influence, Joe. And if that influence isn't going to be used exclusively to spread propaganda and defend the left and promote their lies, well, then you don't have the right to breathe on this earth. That's who they are. The Rock. The Rock. Well, thank you for bringing it to my attention, The Rock says, you know. I did not know that he used the N-word. I can't believe it. Thank you for bringing that to, to my attention. That's a rotten, terrible, horrible thing, and I'm no longer your friend, says The Rock, essentially. Some friend. Cowards, these people. They don't have your back. Because all they want is power. All they want is their prominence in these fields in Hollywood, their little spheres of influence. And they will do whatever their little masters, the producers, the people around them tell them because they are weak. The Rock is weak. Now, with regard to these uh, inward allegations, you know, this goes back, I think, a, a dozen years. Back when Joe Rogan was first starting, he was a nobody. 
And these episodes, you could go back and listen to them. They've been around and they haven't offended anybody. They haven't been a problem for anyone until now. Isn't that odd that nobody, nobody spoke out and condemned his reading the N-word, whether it was related to songs or in some other context that was not aimed at denigrating black Americans or black people? Nobody said a peep. But now, all of a sudden, that is grounds for termination, for Spotify to end their relationship with Joe Rogan. Because they're not offended by how he used the N-word. It wasn't offensive when he did it, and it's not offensive now. And he hasn't said it in a long time, and his show has changed and evolved. And I got to tell you this, you know, I am... um. I'm getting really tired. Well, I'm not getting really tired. I, I, I am tired of the left's atom bomb. You know, their mother of all bombs in their playbook every time, which is to say you're a racist. That's the end-all, be-all. You know, when they don't have anything to do and they can't get you on anything, it's, well, this, this person that we want to destroy is a racist. And there's no worse thing in the world than to be called a racist. By the way, Joe Biden has used the N-word in the same kind of context context as uh, Joe Rogan in his Senate career, reading and using the N-word repeatedly in Senate hearings, congressional hearings. And If we're going to cancel Joe Rogan and say that Spotify should end their relationship with him, well, the Democratic Party should also end their relationship with Joe Biden. And Joe Biden should step down immediately as the faux president of the United States and give it to the black first African-American vice president. Give her, make her the president, because if Joe Rogan using the N-word in a um, non-offensive context, well, if... Joe Biden can use the N-word or has used the N-word as he has. Well, he should also be subject to the same rules. That's right. And that's what Joe Rogan should be saying. Hey, you know what? I didn't mean any harm by it. I understand the history of the word and how it can offend people. But you know what? I didn't mean it in that context. I didn't hurt anybody. You guys didn't call for my cancellation when I used it then. Now suddenly you're offended by it. Well, hey, look, look, Democrats. Your homeboy, Joe Biden, he not only used the N-word multiple times as a senator, but he also went on that show with Charlemagne the God and said, you know, if basically you're not black if you don't vote for me. That's sheer racism, and that's hurtful and harmful. And you know what? This N-word business. You know, I mentioned the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, calling white people crackers. Well, that's the equivalent. In white talk. Now, I don't walk around as a white person and say, uh, hey, what's up, my cracker? What's up, cracker this, cracker that? Yeah, we crackers, man. We crackering out here. We don't do it because it's sick and it's stupid. Now, this N-word, by the way, is a horrible word. It's a denigrating word. And it, of course, entered the vernacular mostly on the rap scene. And if the word itself is so offensive, then why are black people using it? And I'm serious. I got, I got plenty of friends. I know people have used this word, and I object to it with them too. 
If this word is so offensive and so terrible, why are you using it amongst yourselves? Why are you insulting yourselves by using that word and trying to make it some kind of positive connotation for black people in this country if you're black? Why are you doing it and saying it in your rap songs as some, some kind of, uh, I don't know, symbol of, of the brotherhood? The word is either bad or it's good and it's bad. It can't be two things. It's just like the F word or other profanity. And when people use it, you know, whatever. I disagree with the fact that you're using the word. And you know what? If somebody's not saying, hey, come here, you, you N-word, come on. It, it doesn't have the same connotation. I mean, honestly, it's so, it's so absurd to me that I even have to try and explain this right now. I know you understand it, but we still have to have this conversation. It doesn't go away. To act like words in every context have the same meaning. You know, if you're looking at a woman and you say, you, you know, female dog, use that word, you B word, that's different than saying to your, your buddy, hey, you're a B. It's not the same thing. It's the same word. It's the same word, but it has an entirely different meaning. And so these words, even these bad words, these nasty words that have a history, a very dark and terrible history, well, depending on the context of their usage, do not pack the same punch. Now, again, I don't curse on my show because I don't like cursing. As a relative of mine told me once, profanity is the sign of a weak mind trying to express itself forcefully. So I like to challenge myself here with vocabulary, to build my vocabulary, to use my words intentionally to make my points. And so I don't do any of that cursing on here. But if somebody else on their show wants to use the N-word, even if they want to be profane, if they want to be, look, you got Howard Stern who's made a fortune, a fortune as a shock jock, intentionally, intentionally using profanity, going into the dredges of things to shock people, talking about sexuality, sex, talking about all manner of just disgusting things that have no place in a civil society. Howard Stern has used the N-word, I believe, as well. The, uh, many of these people have, have dressed up in blackface, which is reprehensible. But you know what? In terms of a podcast or a show, you don't have to listen to them. I don't call for somebody's cancellation on the left because they spew misinformation and lies every day. And that's what they do. CNN, CNN is nothing but a lying cesspool. And I don't watch CNN. But the difference, of course, with CNN is that CNN purports to be a news organization, a serious, a serious group of journalists telling the truth. Joe Rogan isn't doing that. Joe Rogan has a show and his value is entertainment. Howard Stern, entertainment, and Joe Rogan has done a lot more good for this country than Howard Stern ever has or ever will. And so this is so ridiculous and sick. And I got to tell you, this Spotify executive, Spotify is not even an American company. It's a Swedish company. And I don't think that this Swedish guy, the CEO there, I think his name is, um, what is this guy's name? Daniel Ek, E-K, last name. 
He doesn't know what to do. He, as the CEO of Spotify, hasn't come under this kind of pressure yet. Yet. But now he's feeling it. And he's over in Sweden, even. It's not an American company. And he's feeling the heat. And he doesn't know what to do. He is shocked like Joe Rogan. And I think that the plan right now between Daniel Eck, the Spotify CEO, and Joe Rogan is to just try to weather this storm. That's what they're trying to do. They're not coming down hard, and that's where they're going wrong and making a mistake. They need to, re- they need to state unequivocally they will not cave to this leftist mob, that they believe in free speech, and if you don't like it, shove it. They're not going to be intimidated, but they're not saying that. They're still treating the left like the left has any rationale behind what they're doing, which they don't. It's evil. I mean, this CEO, you know, he, he's come out so weak, so weak. You know, he sent some, some memo to the employees at Spotify. Oh, you know, I think it's, I'm, I'm so sorry that I, some of your feelings are hurt. And, um, and I know many of you feel unheard. Your voices are unheard and you're in pain because Spotify is under this f- maelstrom, this storm right now from the left. But, but you know, so you know what I'm going to do? I know I'm Swedish, but you know, I've seen how this plays out. I know what I know what to do. I know what the solution is. You know what Daniel X's solution is? He's going to engage in affirmative action at Spotify now. That's right. He's going to be like the Democrat Party with a Supreme Court nomination of an only only considering a black female candidate. Well, he's going to invest a hundred million dollars to find and make historically marginalized groups, individuals in these historically marginalized groups famous. That's right. He's going to absolve himself from his sins because he's going to go and find out people who are who are the quote unquote victims of America, according to the left. And he's going to invest one hundred million dollars in finding these people and lifting them up to rival Joe Rogan. But, you know, here's the thing, Joe Rogan, another message to you. Only you can destroy yourself. Now, the media can destroy somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or even Joe Biden. Do you know why? Because they don't have a real following. They don't have a loyal following. They are media creations. And the media can destroy who they create. But Joe Rogan, you, like Rush Limbaugh, are not a media creation. You grew organically. Your audience came to you. They belong to you. They are loyal to you. The media didn't do anything for you. You built your empire. Only you can destroy it. That's the good news. But only if you understand that what you're up against is your foe, that no amount of apologizing can fix this, can change the way they treat you. You're in their crosshairs. You violated their golden, well, their their singular rule, which is do not speak out against us, do not challenge us, and you did. And that's why you have no future in the Democratic Party with the left. They will come for you for the rest of your life. So you either make a stand now and stand up for free speech and fight back, and do not make any other apologies to them, or you lose. That's the only way this is going to go. So they're labeling you a racist, Joe, because that's what's worked for them in the past, and that's what they believe is going to work again. And they did this to Rush Limbaugh, they did this to Donald Trump, but the reason they has still had shows and long careers, the reason Donald Trump was able to weather the storm during his presidency is because he never bent the knee. And you've already bent the knee a couple of times now. And so you got to wake up, Joe, and you got to fight back. 
You got to stand up because your CEO, Daniel Eck, is getting wobbly need. And you know they've, they've deleted over 100 episodes of previous Joe Rogan shows. Now, apparently, Joe Rogan has given them permission to do it. So they didn't do it without his blessing. But this is part of the problem. They're never going to stop. And, you know, this Daniel Eck guy has a, uh, a gut feeling that's correct, but he's not listening to it. You know, he said, um, I got a quote here from the CEO. He said, well, I strongly condemn what Joe has said, and I agree with his decision to remove past episodes from our platform. I realize some will want more. That's right. Some will want more. This fringe minority that's coming after you. Look, they're using Twitter. They're using the media to make this movement seem big. But it's not big. It's a small group of radical leftists who hate the Constitution, hate free speech, and hate voices of dissent and want to silence them. So this is about intimidating Joe Rogan and intimidating us. Because this is going to go one way. Either Joe Rogan stops having people on his show. He'll lose his audience this way, by the way, too. He either does what the left wants, which is to bring on a bunch of leftists and become like a Brian Stelter at CNN and just become a useful propagandist for the left, he either does that, or they come for you forever. And they look to cancel you forever. Those are the options. And the only way you're going to get through this is if you stop bending the knee. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. I mean, all of this is thematic to things I talk about day in and day out on my show right here with you. And that is that nothing happens by accident when it's with the left. It's all intentional. It's all strategic. It's all by design. And now we got Barack Obama who thinks he's so magnificent, so powerful. Now he has said he's going to pull out of Spotify if they don't basically get rid of Joe Rogan. This is the collusion the real collusion, the dangerous collusion that is taking place in America. They're leaning on Spotify so hard. And look, you know, this guy, Daniel Eck, you know, he wants to make Spotify the premier, you know, the, the, the Twitter of the audio world in terms of podcasts and entertainment and all that. So he's heavily invested this billionaire in, in making Spotify this thing. And so what the left is trying to do with Twitter and Barack Obama, and it's a small minority. That's what these people don't ever understand. The media magnifies this. Twitter magnifies this. They make it seem like the movement in favor of doing this and coming down on free speech is the majority, but it's not. And so Barack Obama's throwing his, his, his uh, hat in the ring. And trying to, you know, double down and put immense pressure on Spotify to do this. And what they're trying to convince Spotify of with this propaganda campaign is that if they don't do this, if they don't bend the knee, if they don't do what the left wants, which is to eliminate the relationship with Joe Rogan, get rid of all of his podcasts, that Spotify is going to be damaged and they will lose their ability to grow because they're going to be sullied in this operation. But it's not true. I'm sitting here speaking for millions of people right now. And tens of millions of people are saying, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. Nobody has a problem with Joe Rogan. We love Joe Rogan. Or even if we don't love Joe Rogan, this is still idiotic. And this is wrong. 
But the media is doing their damnedest to convince Spotify that that's not the case, that I don't exist, that we don't exist. But here we are. Here we are. But the media is trying to silence our voices. And this, this takes me back to what's happening in Canada, by the way, with the truckers and those protesters. You know, they're bringing bouncing houses out there. They're singing in the streets. It's been going on for I don't know how long now, this, this protest in Ottawa, and there's been no violence whatsoever. None at all. No reported episodes of violence. And yet they're bringing in the riot police in Ottawa, and it looks like Tiananmen Square in Beijing. That's the square where the communists came down in, what, 1989? You know, this movement was brewing in communist China throughout the mid-1980s, and then it came to a, a, a peak in 1989, and it was really led by student protesters who had been and studied in America and had seen how great America was, the opportunities that were here, what freedom had to offer, what our constitutional government had to offer, and they wanted that in communist China. And because they saw it in America and wanted to bring it to China, well, up to a million people at one point went to Tiananmen Square and it participated in these protests for freedom in, in communist China, and they brought in tanks. There's a famous photo of an individual, a protester, staring down a tank. And there were people killed and murdered at Tiananmen Square by the communist government to put down this movement, and they did. They put it down. And that's what they're trying to do right now in Ottawa. They're bringing in the riot police. Now remember, when it's Antifa and BLM, which are tiny, fringe, radical leftist movements that are organized by the left, organized with George Soros money and other powerful entities behind the scenes, dark money. Well, these people are made to look like a majority because the media talks about how popular the movements are, and these movements are violent and dangerous. They are guilty of killing people in the last few years. They have burned down our cities throughout this country. And the police did what in these big cities like Portland or Seattle? Nothing. They didn't do anything. They let them loot. They let them burn. They let them riot. They let them kill. And then they were bailed out of jail. By the same money that funded their movements to begin with. The Democratic Party. Leftists. And now you have a peaceful movement, a completely peaceful movement in Ottawa against tyranny. And they're bringing in the riot police and they're seizing their fuel. They're seizing things that they need to keep the movement going. And this is the same thing they're doing to Joe Rogan when it comes to free speech and voices of dissent. They're trying to crush us. And the police are being used to crush the movement in Canada. And that's what's going to be happening here in America, too, in these big cities. They are corrupt police departments. I mean, this mayor in New York, Eric Adams, came from the police department, calling people crackers, white people crackers, saying, I'm going to get those crackers, go after those crackers. This is the guy who's the mayor of New York, who's giving the orders. And what they want... What the left wants, you know why the, the riot police are there in Ottawa? It's not to pre prevent violent acts, because none have happened. They're there to instigate violence. They're there to push these protesters and create a situation 
that gets out of hand so they can point to it, even if they start it, even if they're responsible for it, the police that is, and say, we've got to crush this movement. They're violent. They're trying to create this scenario. It's another one of these false flag operations they're trying to to engage in, to destroy freedom-loving people and crush the movement and crush us. It's all about control, and it's all about intimidation. And I got I, I scratch my head here. And I, I know we're in the majority, but I, I do ask myself, how many people are just totally lost, who've given up, who will not fight for freedom? I was on an airplane. I went to a wedding in Texas over the weekend. And uh, this is really, I haven't gotten on a lot of flights. I haven't flown anywhere. And I can see people, a majority of people that just, we're, we all have to wear masks because of the, the unconstitutional federal regulations against the airplane industry, which by the way, you know why they're, they cave in, cave to this too and allow this to, to go on, even though they know the masks don't work? The reason they do this is because they were bailed out by the federal government. They are owned by the federal government because of bailouts. They're harmed. And they depend on the federal government and taxpayer money to bail them out when they go into debt, when they suffer. We don't allow them to fail. We bail them out with the federal government, and now they're beholden to the federal government. And I'm looking, you know, and it depends on the flight. You know, I, got a, uh, you know, I had a couple connecting flights, so I took four flights total. And it's amazing, you know. You could tell uh, on these flights, you know, the, the stewardess, you could tell when they didn't care about the mass and thought it was stupid and when they did. And it was 50-50. Two flights, I had, I had uh, flight attendants that didn't say anything, didn't make a ruckus about it. And uh, I had, had two others who acted like Nazis, who I heard audibly behind me telling people, pull your mask up over your nose. But you walk around these airports, and, and you can just feel it. You can see people with their mask below their nose, but they're going and doing this because they're fearful of the repercussions, even though it's totally wrong even though it's not scientific, even though it's just a show of control by the federal government. You have to wear a mask because we say so. Yeah, but it doesn't... Shut up. Shut up. That's misinformation. Put your mask on your face. Only N95s work or do anything, possibly. But no, we, you know, even though you're, none of you are wearing N95s, put it on your face anyway. And I was in Texas, of course. I was in Fort Worth. Had a great time. I didn't wear a mask at all. It was so freeing. It was so free. Now, I don't wear one religiously here in California where I am anyway. Um, and I've had multiple people tell me, put your mask on and, and yell at me in that, that kind of way. But in Texas, it wasn't an issue. You had a handful of people who wore masks, and that's fine. If you feel safer with a mask on your face, wear it. Great. But I'm not here to tell you and condemn you for wearing it. I've got my opinions about it. But hey, you do you in terms of the mask. But don't come and tell me that I have to do it because you want me to. And that's how we can get along in society. But you've got these leftist tyrants who want to force everyone to do this, even though it makes no sense and there's no science for it at all. We know it's a lie, but we're still doing it, but not in Texas. Not in Texas where people still have some semblance of love for their freedom. And it was a joy. There were not dead bodies on the streets. Bars were just fine. And it was a really good freeing time. And the thing is, the thing is, when you go and have that experience somewhere 
And maybe many of you live in free states where you don't deal with this BS like I do in California. But, you know, if, if somebody was to go to one of these states and experience life that was free, well, they would realize that there's nothing to fear. That life is actually better when you're not having to wear a mask everywhere, where people can choose to do what they want. But where they have, when they have iron-fisted rule like they do here in California, they don't want you to experience that. Because when you experience that, you realize they're lying to you. And they lose control. Because you get a little feeling inside you that says, hey, hey, I've got a little giddy-up in my step. I'm here. I'm ready to fight this. They don't want that. They want to squash that feeling and that movement. They want complete obedience no matter what. And that's the point of all of this. And so you, here you have these organized movements like Antifa and BLM, just like the organized movements to destroy Rush Limbaugh, and now to destroy, for example, Joe Rogan. And it's the same organization that's trying to crush the protests in Canada and here in the United States as well. And they collude with the government they collude with, I mean, you heard the, the GoFundMe. So an update on the GoFundMe. So they tried to steal $10 million from the protesters, right? So they set up a GoFundMe campaign and they raised $10 million as I spoke about, uh, I think last episode. And they had frozen the funds and then re-released the funds and allowed them to take funds out. And then they shut it down again. And they were going to steal that money and donate it to whatever charities GoFundMe wanted to give it to. Basically to take that money, steal it, and give it to a bunch of leftist organizations, no doubt. And only because states like Florida and other states around this country threatened lawsuits did GoFundMe change their tune. That is unlawful. They tried to steal these people's money because they belonged to a political organization. Well, not a political organization, but was going to a, a peaceful protest, a cause that GoFundMe, the leftist that own and run that, that fundraising site that they disagree with, and they were willing to steal that money if there weren't going to be repercussions, but they knew they were going to get sued, and so they changed their course. But what if, what if governors hadn't stood up? What if they didn't have the states that were going to sue? These people, these protesters, would have been hosed. Their money would have just been stolen from them. It would have been a criminal act, and they would have gotten away with it. Because the left doesn't live by any laws or rules. And that's the problem. That's where we're up against. And we cannot cave. And this is the, the scary thing about Joe Rogan. The point is intimidation. They know that if, Joe, if they can cancel Joe Rogan, if they can get Spotify to destroy him and deplatform him, it will send shockwaves to everyone else about the power of the authoritarians. Because if they can get the most influential person in America, and shut him down, they can do it to anyone. And that's the point of this. That's also why they've been going after Donald Trump still, even after he's out of office. They want to prove the point that no one is safe. Even Donald Trump, the mighty Donald Trump, he cannot stand up to us. That's what it was about from 2016 on forward. Sending a message. Do not stand up to us. Do not oppose us. Do not mess with the status quo. If you do, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a conservative, if you're on the right, if you just simply disagree with Democrats, we will come for you, we will ruin your life, and we will destroy you. So don't even think about stepping up. And that's the thing. That enters conversations. This is a private anecdote, but this is the reality. And don't worry, I'm not stopping. But my wife and I have these conversations about her, what she's up to. 
about how it could be dangerous for her, her career. These aren't conversations leftists have to have. I'm not free to speak my mind and speak up for millions of Americans who don't have a voice. I'm not free to be patriotic because if I do, if I use my First Amendment right, my constitutional unalienable right that comes from God, our creator himself, if I do that, which is lawful and legal, you can come for my family, destroy my family, try and ruin me and put the pressure on me to shut me up. That's what they're doing to Joe. And we're about to find out what Joe Rogan's made of. Donald Trump was a unique, rare individual in that he did not cave to the pressure. His family stood behind him. And I hope everyone takes a moment to appreciate who Donald Trump was. Despite any flaws, none of us are perfect. And that's the reality of this too. We could all be canceled. None of us are perfect. We've all done things that somebody could misconstrue or try and highlight to make a case for our cancellation. No one is safe. No one because none of us are perfect. But Donald Trump, what a guy, huh? What a guy to be able to to stand up to them. And you see the difference. You know, Donald Trump never bent the knee. He never acknowledged anything. He never apologized. And that's important. We cannot apologize to the left ever. Our apology is weakness. And it's all that's needed to really unleash hell and destroy us. And Joe Rogan, he's a nice guy. I don't know him personally. I haven't listened to any of his shows, actually, just sound bites here and there that, that we've all heard. And I appreciate and I understand what his show is. It's free form, it's long form conversations, it's well thought out, it's, 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 it meanders. It doesn't have some kind of political objective, it's just about asking questions and having conversations. It's about, it's like a town hall every time he talks to somebody and interviews somebody. It's just a platform for a, for a peaceful discourse, an important discourse. And he is a nice guy. Everyone has said it, he's a nice guy. And maybe Donald Trump wasn't a quote-unquote nice guy in terms of how he was portrayed in the media, but nice guys finish last. How can a nice guy stand up to this behemoth? At some point, you got to fight, and Donald Trump fought every day. And Joe Rogan's got to change his tune and get a little tougher, too. And I'm not condemning uh, Joe Rogan. That's, that's not my intent. But I'm just pointing out the difference between the similarities and differences between Joe Rogan and Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't care. He learned quickly who the left was. And only in learning who the left was and confronting it was he able to succeed. Joe Rogan must also confront who the left is. Everything he believed they were, it's not true. They're not loyal to him, they're not friends. And what they want is our annihilation. And Joe Rogan is one of the few people that's in a position now to make a stand because, like I said, the media didn't create him. They can't destroy him. He could go somewhere else if he wants. He could build a bigger audience. But if he caves and he apologizes, 
And if he allows that false narrative they're trying to to portray about him being a racist or whatever else, he won't he won't escape it. Once the acknowledgement of the lie is is there, they've got you. And so Joe Grogan's got to dig deep and I hope he understands that not only his 11 or 12 million listeners an episode but tens of millions of others not just in this country but throughout the world. Especially given what's going on in Canada right now, we need Joe Rogan to be a hero, to be a voice for these people, to stand strong and firm because he, whether he wants it or not, he is uniquely in a position to stand up and do something that makes a difference. So I'm going to be praying for Joe Rogan, and I hope you'll pray for Joe Rogan too if you're the prayerful type. But um, I understand the situation he's in. I do to a lesser degree, but uh, I hope he finds some friends and allies around him that can help him and give him some advice because whatever advice he's gotten so far is bad advice, wrong advice. I wouldn't be getting my advice from any Democrats right now, any leftists. I certainly wouldn't call The Rock and ask The Rock what he thinks he should do because we know what The Rock does. The Rock... The Rock, this is what I was saying, too, about people or Democrats because the Democrat Party will protect them. They can, they can make mistakes like Jimmy Kimmel wearing blackface. And Jimmy Kimmel can have the audacity to come out and condemn somebody else for making a mistake when he wore blackface without ever really confronting anything. You know, the left can, can issue a little slight apology here and there. Whether you're uh, Ralph Northam, you know, the, the former once Virginia uh, governor, who also wore blackface in a yearbook, Justin Trudeau, who, who wore blackface, but they're leftists, they're tyrants, authoritarians, useful to the, the powers that be, and so they do get a free pass, but it's not going to happen on our side, and so we cannot, we cannot bend the knee. Anyway, this is Drew Allen. Uh, God bless you all. Until next time.